As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, James, we're not wasting any time because we have one of our best guests ever. Do you want to introduce him? Yeah, it's a high bar, too. <laughs> We've had Pierre Engvall on the show. Yeah, I mean, we're we're pleased to have on from Hockey Night in Canada, Elliot Friedman. Thanks for joining us, Elliot. I, I'd rather listen to Pierre Engvall than me, <laughs> and it's not even close, really. <laughs> well, maybe next time. <laughs> well, so let's just dive right into it, because this is going to be trade deadline. I know that's what you're focused on. Obviously, we're all focused on. It's like, I'm, I'm sure like you... And I cannot wait for like March 4. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, we'll dig into the Leafs. And there was something you said on your podcast with Jeff Merrick, 32 Thoughts, that caught my interest. You said the Leafs kind of, I'm paraphrasing, but you said something along the lines of, it's hard to know what the Leafs are interested in because they kind of like, I don't know, they kind of have their hands in a lot of different things. You don't know what's real and what's not. How do you decipher what is real and what's not when it comes to the Leafs? Well, I, I think the one thing is, is that Dubas has become very good at disguising his attention, intentions. Like there are some GMs that are vaults, like Iserman's a vault, uh, Lamorello's a vault, uh, Verbeek is a vault, although he's new. And I think the other thing too is Verbeek doesn't have a team that everybody's kind of all over right now. So I think it allows him to work in, in silence. Um, Breezebois is very difficult not to crack. And, and Dubas, I think, has taken it as a real source of pride to try to get into that stratosphere. And um, he, uh, he is someone who really, really wants to be seen as that kind of a person, too, like a, a vault for information. And I, the one thing that I, I found is, is very difficult to do with him is determine 
when he's making a phone call to say, what are you doing with this person? As opposed to, I'm really interested in this person. Mm. Like one of, one of the reasons that I, I'm really curious about where he's going with Meyer here is I know that he is called to see what San Jose thinks. What I haven't been able to figure out yet is if he's on the level of New Jersey and Carolina, who I believe are two teams that are actively trying to get him. And so I think that's the biggest challenge with Dubas is he's very good at disguising his intentions. So you have to be very careful uh, what you proclaim he's <laughs> up to. He could make you look stupid pretty easily. James. Going, oh, I didn't know you wanted me to go. <laughs> all right. This is a very professional show we have here. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, the Leafs competition in the Eastern Conference is looking at Meyer. So doesn't it stand to reason that that's an obvious thing for them to do is at least kick tires? And I mean, obviously, making the cap numbers fit is going to be harder for the Leafs, but shouldn't they see what the asking price is and shouldn't they try and meet it? potentially even just to keep them out of the hands of some of the teams they're going to be potentially facing in the Eastern Conference? Uh, I, you know, I do. I, I think that, you know, the one thing is, is that I've really had a difficult time piecing together what Boston is up to, because I think Boston has had their, their fingers in a lot of things. And they, I, I think Boston is kind of going between, we think we need to add something but we have a really special chemistry here and we should be very careful about how we fiddle around with it. Like, I think that happened to Florida a bit last year. They, they had, they had something, I don't think they were going to beat Tampa anyway, the way that series played out, but they had something really good going and they went out and they got Giroux. And of course you're going to be excited. You go out and you get Giroux, but I, I think it ended up disrupting some of the things they've been doing all year. And that's not a shot at Giroux. I just think that anytime you bring in a player of that level into a team, it's going to change on some level the complexion and chemistry of what you've been doing all year. So, like, I look at Boston. I, I think Boston Boston is in on Gavrikov. And mm -hmm. I, think that, uh, I think that that's a guy who really interests them. But, James, I can't figure out if they're in on Meyer or not. And... Like, I have no doubt also that they have called. And and I do think the Bruins look at this as an all-in year. Like, we don't know what the future of Bergeron is. We don't know what the future of Krejci is. We know that Pasternak is probably going to a, a franchise-setting number next year. I, I think the Bruins know that it's an all-in year, but I think they're, they're also weighing, you know, how much do we change the chemistry of what we have? So I find the Bruins, aside from Gavrikov, who I do legitimately think they're in on, I find it difficult to figure out what they're doing. I think with Tampa, it's a little easier. Tampa has made so many moves that there's a limit to what they can do cap-wise, and there's a limit to their assets. Like Tampa doesn't, like I think Tampa's interested in Barbashev. I think Tampa's interested in Bertuzzi. I could see situations where they get outbid for both those players simply because they don't have the assets that some of these other teams have. So I think it's on some level, it's easier for Toronto to predict what Tampa could do as opposed to what some of those other teams can do. Well, as Fridge, as far as Meyer's concerned, and you kind of touched on this at some point, I think on your pod, obviously the complication for the Leafs with him is the contract and the future and everything like that. Do you think every team that would be interested in him is thinking like, what are we going to do if we trade for him? Are we going to sign him? 
And for the Leafs in the in particular, do you think it's just like, let's just trade for him and then we'll figure it out. Like, we'll see how the playoffs go. Or do you think that's too big, like a meatball to toss into your season and toss into your roster? Well, that's what I would do, Jonah. Like Jonas, like I, I, I would, I, I would trade for him and, and figure it out later. Like mm-hmm. so much of this organization right now is what's going to happen in the summer. Why not just add one more level? <laughs> yeah, of just chaos one thing. Yeah, it? like, like the thing is, like everybody says, well, Dubas has to make a big trade to win and save his job. I don't think he thinks like that. I think those are the kinds of trades that sit on your resume for a long time and. I mean, you know us, we'll bring up those bad trades forever. And I just don't think he's wired that way. But I do think, I do think he would do that. And, you know, like, that's the thing. Um, Like, I think New Jersey, if they trade for him, they want to extend them right away, or at least be in a position to do it. I've heard Carolina isn't quite like that. Like, they're, they're willing to let this play out and see how it is during the summer. Like, if I was the Leafs, I would look at the same thing. Like, so many decisions about this team are going to be about who performs at what level in the playoffs. I don't think they should be scared of adding another level of that. Like, if Meyer comes in and plays great and somebody else isn't good, then you then you can keep Meyer and punt the other person. Yep. But if, everybody, if Meyer plays great and indicates either you can't sign him or doesn't want to sign him here, uh, like, if he plays great and you give someone permission to talk to him, then you can trade him and you can get back what you got. Now, the only thing that goes wrong, Jonas, is if he comes in there and they're all awful, then you've got a big problem. But I think at some point in time, you've got to bet on your team. And and, and that time to me is now. You talked about maybe Tampa not having the assets to get certain players. Do the Leafs? Like the, the Leafs don't really, there's not a lot in the coverage there in terms of prospects and things like that. Like, are they a team that's going to be able to step up and offer enough to get someone like that? Well, I, I think the, the thing is, like, he's not necessarily a rental, right? Like, <clears throat> I take Dubas's word. He's not giving his best assets for a rental. Meyer's not, not a rental. Um, you know, he did the first round pick for Felino. It didn't work out as well as anyone hoped. <clears throat> like, I think the Leafs have good assets. Like, they have a first round pick and a really good draft, and they have a couple of prospects that teams like. I just think that they're only going to do that if they think they can get the term out of the player. I I get that. It's also like you mentioned, Fridge, like all the pressure on this season. It's like you're holding on to the first round pick for five years from now when that guy plays for you. Like what? And so like you think about like Patrick Kane and you had a, you mentioned him in your, your column this morning. Yeah. There are reasons not to do it. And obviously you could look at the price tag. You could look at his age. You could look at the hip stuff. Look but at the game also, last night. You could look at the Might. game last night. You could also look at like the, the people he's played with. You could look at the situations in Chicago. You could look at last year and say 92 points. There are reasons why I would, if I was in that position, I would say, you know what? Like we're, if we can get Patrick Kane to cost us a first round pick, who's not going to contribute to us for years down the line. Like, how can we not consider that? You know what I mean? Like, how do you, yeah. I don't know how to break those two things apart. Uh, you know, I think you have to judge each situation on its merits. Like the, the one thing, like I, I do not like talking badly about Kane as a player. I, I, I really don't. I think it's, uh, I, you know, because I, I, I think he could go somewhere and be totally rejuvenated. Like, Me too. Uh, like, like Jonas, on, on one level, I really think a lot of the problem is the realization that his, his Blackhawks time is over. Like, I, I think these guys never thought it was going to end. Never, ever, ever. And 
Like, you know, like I remember when, when, when CBC lost the rights to hockey night, you know, I don't, I'd only been there for, I think 11 years or 10 years at the time. And, but it was still, it was such a thing. Like, you know, when I got hired there, I thought I was going to be at CBC forever, working at hockey night in Canada forever. And I, and like, I, like I said, I'd only been there for a decade, but the people who've been there for a long time, like you knew they lost the rights in October, November or whatever it was. And, but still in, in May and June, as we were going to the Stanley cup, you still, you still couldn't believe it was real. And I, like, I look at Kane right now and I, and I see the exact same thing. Um, you know, I will say this, I've talked to some people around Kane. They think he is determined to go somewhere else and show he still has it. Unfortunately, I thought, you know, I thought Wednesday night was a real lost opportunity. I, I did. I, I thought if he comes out and has a huge night, then, all of a sudden, like the Kane train is steaming down the tracks and, and nobody can stop it. But the team is really struggling and they just couldn't do anything against Toronto that much. Uh, you know, the, the one thing for me, guys, it, it's it's like I know Kane hates it, but it's the hip. And I know that the more people have watched him play, the more they're wondering about it. I, I think I think some teams are thinking about it. If it's it's Kane, how could you not? But I think what it comes down to is he's got to let people know where he really wants to go. And and I think some of these teams are like, you know, how much energy can we spend on this until we know if Patrick Kane actually wants to play for us? I thought watching him last night that he just wasn't moving the way that you'd like to see Patrick Kane moving. And that's concerning. How much of the Rangers moving early for Tarasenko was concern over just Kane's injury and, and where his body's I at. think quite a bit I, I think yeah. quite a bit you know I think there were a couple things I think they saw Tarasenko was a better fit the other thing too is don't forget Tarasenko's cap hit is three million a year less than mm -hmm. Kane so with retention and everything unless you were doing double retention on Kane which is a, a really tricky thing to do you were going to have to wait right uh because uh, because the number was higher so I think between the number being higher and, and the way Kane looked and you know, I, I, you know, Tarasenko and Panarin have a history together. Uh, I think all of those things were, were a factor. Yeah. It's funny. So, like, go ahead, James. I, I was just going to say, you know, you look at the trade boards around the, on the various websites right now, and there's just the Leafs want to bring a player in there who can play on that second line left wing spot. There's just not a lot of options. So, mm -hmm. you know, if Kane's not a fit for various reasons and Meyer's not a fit, <laughs> There's, it's not a long list for what Toronto can look at. So, you know, is it is it an O'Reilly that is is next up? Because beyond that, what are we looking at? Barbashev? It's it's really uh, not I, a very I, deep pool this year. I, I do think, like, like I do think, and again, I, I, I freely admit that because of Dubas is the way he is, he does make it hard. I do think, and, and Jonas, you've written about this at length this year, is just the fourth line and, and the fact that they cannot get a regular combination. I think they look at the depth of Tampa's lineup and the depth of Boston's lineup and say, if we try to play these guys over seven games with three lines, we're in trouble. Yep. Like even if your fourth line is only playing eight to 10 minutes a night, I, I think they worry about those eight to 10 minutes. So James, whether it's a player who can go right on the fourth line or a player that moves people down into and makes your fourth line better that way. I, I think it matters to them. And like, <laughs> I do think Barbashev is on their radar. Um, I, I really do. I, I think that, 
I think all those St. Louis guys at one point or another have been on their radar. Barbashev, Achari, and O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. And 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 the one thing is I, I think that I think that Barbashev, I've heard he's got a ton of teams after him. Like it's it's like there's like it's funny. Someone said to me, Who's got a better press agent, Barbashev or Lafferty? Like what well, what's going on with these two guys? And uh but I think Barbashev's got a got a really uh I think he's got a lot of teams after him. I think O'Reilly's got a few teams after him. I think Achari has got a few teams after him. Like, like I wonder about guys like Lafferty. I wonder about guys like I, I even wonder about a guy like Nick Bugstad. I, I, I do think that Dubas is looking at it like I have to make that line better, whether it's a big player who pushes everybody down or just a fourth liner that's better than what we've got. Yeah, I I re- Jonas is Lafferty's press agent, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> he was. He was a of all the guys like in that Chicago game. Yeah. He he st- yeah. stands out, and like I really like Achari for them as like a fourth line kind of guy. But one thing, I keep bringing up your podcast. I, I was it's a top I of mind. But you. like one Thank thing you. you mentioned with 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 Tampa and and something I think the Leafs have lacked at times. They kind of need like more pricks. Like they need yeah. they need and so like I think Bertuzzi. Like even like. You think some guys who who are kind of like, they're kind of like, I don't know, like they're, they're pains in the ass to play they're against. Assholes. Like, yeah, they're basically, assholes. like Brandon Hagel is is like annoying to play against, and I, I yeah. kind of think if you're not going to go get Meyer or Kane, like maybe you want to try to inject something like that into your lineup in addition to like fourth line type guys. Like I, I think Dubas thinks that I, I do, and and that's why I've talked a lot more about forwards than D lately. Because look, the questions we may have about Toronto's defense, at least he knows he's got eight guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> as long as everybody's healthy, Dubas can look at his blue line and say, "I've got eight guys here." Because like I think you could do a hell of a lot worse than than Jordy Ben is a guy you just have around uh, at, at the playoffs in, in a depth role. So I, I think Dubas looks at would I like to address this? Yes. Do I need to address it as much as I need to address the forwards? No, I, I don't think he does. But uh, like I think Tampa Bay, like everybody talks about all of Tampa's great skill players, and they have a lot of great skill players. But a lot of those great skill players and the other guys who surround them are absolute dinks. Like Hedman, and I, I say this only as re- in respect, he is a prick. Kucherov. He yep. is a prick. Like, point, he is really hard to play against. And, like, you know what? I, I admire that. Like, well, your best players have to be good and they have to be mean. And that's yep. one of the reasons why Tampa's been so effective. And 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 Dubas knows that. I, and so does Keith, I think. Like, I think they know that. Jonas, you said that Lafferty was the player that stood out for you for Chicago, the player that stood out for me, other than trying to watch Kane, was Jake McCabe, who did not look very good. He looked like a guy who was auditioning not to be traded to the Maple Leafs in that game on Wednesday. And I mean, a lot of things were going wrong for Chicago. Elliot, do you think that like the the smoke and the conversation about McCabe, do you think that that's real? Or is that just one of the guys that maybe the Leafs are kicking tires on just to see what the asking price is? I Look, the, the one thing, I, I think the term appeals to Toronto. I I, I do. Um, uh, I, I, I think that the idea of getting him for two more years, whether it's at four or less, cause the Blackhawks retain, uh, is, is good for them, but I'm just not sure that the Leafs are going to pay a first round pick plus for, for McCabe. I, I, I think if they're going to do a first round pick plus, 
I'm going to bet it's going to be, I mean, I could always be wrong about this, but I'm going to bet it's going to be more of an impactful player than, than uh, like, like I'm talking about a forward. Um, I, I, I just don't see them again. Like I, I, I could always be wrong on this, James. I, I really could, but I really do. I really do get the sense right now. They want to spend their best assets on someone to make their forward deeper. Mm. Uh, maybe I'll be proven wrong. But I, I I don't know. I think the other thing too is, you know, McCabe is every Toronto every Canadian team but Toronto, I believe, on his on his no trade list. Like I, I like I don't have a problem with any of this stuff. You have the right to negotiate a contract and and use that contract as you see fit. So this doesn't bother me, even as a proud Canadian. But I think if a guy has six out of seven Canadian teams on his no trade list, yeah. I'm really wondering how much he wants to be up here in the first place. Well, and I just don't know how much, to me, he really changes your defense. Like, I don't know how much he boosts it from what they have. And that's why, like, Gavrikov is kind of interesting to me. But like you mentioned, they probably don't want to trade a first-round pick for a D, and they probably don't want to do it for a rental. Not for a rental. Not for a rental. So it's like, and then Gavrikov is going to want a lot of money on his next contract. Does that make sense? I don't know. Like, you look at what happened with, you mentioned Sherratt earlier, and, and the price Florida paid, and then he gets that big contract. I don't know. Like, did, did, are teams going to be scared off by some of these guys as as rentals and not wanting to pay them on their next deals, or do you just think there will be a Florida out there who looks at them and like Avrakov say and says whatever? I think it comes down to how good you feel the player is and how much you're trying to win. Like the one thing though, I I do think Jonas is it's a bit of a a buyer's market. Like I do think there are teams out there that think that there's so many sellers they're going to panic as we get closer to March third. Mm. It's part of the poker game, and we'll see if that's true. But I don't know that. But I, I, I have been told by some GMs that they think some of these sellers are going to freak, and we'll find out if that that actually happens. I, I just think though, like this whole Columbus thing with with Gavrikov and Chikrin, like I may turn out to be totally wrong on my theory here, but it's too convenient to me that it's that this is playing out in this way. In in what sense, like the the teams are, are like it's like a they're using them against each other or something? No, or? it's just like Chikrin goes out of the lineup, and Columbus is a team that's always liked Chikrin, and now Gavrikov mm-hmm. goes out of the lineup, and we're hearing that Gavrikov, like it's intensifying around him. Like I, I'm not sure Chikrin would be so happy with this. I think Columbus is going to have a sell job here if this happens, but I find it hard to believe that. Columbus hasn't stepped up on Gavrikov to see if they could use some of the assets to pay for Chikrin. He's got oh, two years term. Like Columbus, like Goudreau, Goudreau is like uh, obviously a huge exception, but Columbus tried to uh, extend Gavrikov and he said no. And Chikrin comes with term and that would appeal to them. And they've, they've tried to trade for him before. Well, in the the Blue Jackets strike me as a team that's not that doesn't want to be at the bottom for long. Like they're going to try and bounce really no. quickly here, right? Like, I mean, they potentially no. get Bedard. They got Wierenski coming back. They can do something yep. different in goal, and maybe they look a lot different next year. I think that's. I think they look at this season as unacceptable, and it cannot happen again. Yes, I agree with you. Well, Fridge, we don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, is there somebody out there that you think it should be talked about more as like a? a trade candidate, whether it's for the Leafs or, or someone else like that, that maybe has kind of flown under the radar a little bit. Like I've scoured all these bad teams, rosters, and I don't know who that player is. I, you know, it's a, it's a great question. Cause I've, I've looked around at this. 
Like the Leafs have shown interest in Klingberg before. Um, I'm not sure that he's the guy now. You know, a guy I've wondered about, I think fits for them, but again, he's a rental. And I just don't know that they're going to pay the price that this team, that Seattle thinks they can get. But Susie is a guy. Like, I think that's exactly the kind of guy Toronto was looking for. Like, part of it is like, why would Seattle do this? They're, they're a playoff team, but apparently the Kraken aren't crazy about the idea of losing him as a UFA. So they're at least considering the idea of trading him and adding another defender. Like Susie, from what I've seen of him, he's exactly what Toronto would have some interest in. But uh, Jonas, again, he's a rental and I just, I don't see that. So one of the, th- <coughs> one of the things I've tried to figure out is like, who's a guy with a little bit of term that, you know, the Maple Leafs might look at either they're up front on the, or on the blue line. Like I know they've like, he's not, this, this guy doesn't have term either. I know they've liked Bertuzzi before, but there's this weird thing. Like nobody seems to know, have a good feeling yet on what the rules are with him because technically you can't get into the U.S. if you're unvaccinated. So I, I don't know that you want. Like I guess you could always lie on a, on a visa, <laughs> but the government's not gonna not gonna be too happy with you if you do that. He can just meet you them know, in Tampa, Fridge. <laughs> stay down there and not play, <laughs> and, and not play the home games. Um, you know, I, I have to say that um, you know, one of the guys that I've always wondered about with Toronto, and, and here's, I, I, I actually thought about this the other day and I meant to write and I forgot, so you guys get it on Ooh. the pod, is, is Scott Lawton. Yeah. He'd be amazing. Yeah, but, but hang know? on, but hang on. Like, isn't, is he what they really need? Like, don't they have David Kempf to basically do that? A third line center no, is not going to get much offense. Like, he's well, signed, Lawton's, I guess. Lawton's, Lawton, he's he's a press. Yeah, he's and again, you know, like yep. and 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 I'll say this: like, there's a lot of rumors about what would have happened with Scott Lawton if he hadn't signed that extension, right? Like, uh, like you know, what do you like? There are rumors he was going to Toronto. There are rumors he was going to Ottawa. Um, but he signed and he stayed in Philadelphia. Um, I, I can see him being a Tortorella player and they're a little thin down the middle right now. So, and he's got a letter. So all of that, I, I'm not convinced that Philly would want to deal him. But if you're asking me for an under the radar guy who I think they've had interest in before, Scott Lawton would be that kind of guy for me. And I'll push back to Jonas. He's better offensively than David Kempf. Like he's got more elements numbers, to his man. game. And the other thing too is Kempf is UFA, so they're going to need somebody. Like I, I like that. I if you know, I I don't know that Philly's going to deal him, but I think he's a fit. Yeah, I think it, it answers Jonas's question, the one he asked me. But again, I'm not like Philly. I think is looking for centers because I don't know that Kevin Hayes is. I don't know that that, that that's going to be a marriage that's going to last. So I, and and also we all know that. Who knows what Couturier's future is going to be? So I think it's a hard match uh, for Philly, but again, he fits the criteria of the question. Jonas and I have been debating, and we can we can close out on it. We've been arguing about the trade deadline, and you look at what's happening in the NBA and all the the big names moving. Like, is there is there a fix you think that the NHL trade deadline needs to make it a little bit, as Jonas would say, spicier than than nice. what we're seeing this year? Well, I, I, I wish the whole sport had more of a luxury tax and a cap. I, I, I yeah. think, you know, I, I really do. Um, you know, like, look, like it, we're, I've used the word many times. It's constipated out there. 
And and like I have to say, like this whole Bally's thing behind the scenes. Yeah. Like like, like, he, like there was a board of governors meeting last night and, and Batman, like he's telling them, look, we're getting paid for now. And was nobody jumped to conclusions. And I've been told that he has he has indicated they, they're working on something. But, you know, like I went under the impression, like, uh, there's a team out there that indicated to me that, uh, that, well, sorry, I heard this from a a second team, but they told me that they know of teams that have basically been told you're going to get your money, but it's not going to be as much as you thought. So like, who knows? Like, 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 I think there was a hope that new NHLPA executive director, Marty Walsh, would come in and him and the league would find a way to get the cap up for next year, that they would at least talk about it. And some teams I know were really hopeful of that, but now this Bally's thing, it, it throws everything into a little bit of chaos. So I, I think actually my worry, James is actually going to make it worse as opposed to better, but I, I wish we had a luxury tax league. I, I, I really do. I, I think, I, I think we need that to make the league more exciting. I, I think, uh, you know, I think that would solve a lot of problems, but you know, I also, I also want a billion dollars and I probably have about as much of a fairy tale of getting that as I do a luxury tax. Well, and if they had a luxury tax, then you would see some of these guys on bad teams with bad contracts teams like Toronto could just be like, you know what? Screw it. We'll just trade for Logan Couture, or Eric Carlson, 100%, or whatever. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred. Yeah. And, and you know what? Like, you're telling me that some of these teams that sign bad deals wouldn't want to be able to trade them to teams that can afford them? A thousand percent. Yeah. All right. Well, Elliot, we appreciate you taking time at this time of year. 32 Thoughts the podcast, 32 Thoughts at sportsnet.ca. There's some good stuff up there right now. You are a great one. So thank you for taking a few minutes on this silly little podcast. Thanks, <laughs> There's no such thing as a silly little podcast, and my pleasure, guys. Have a, uh, I can't wait till this is over another couple of weeks. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, our thank you again to Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet. Um, James, let's just break down before we get to the pod bag uh, some of what Elliot talked about. Is there anything that surprised you, really interested you? Where do you, where do you want to go? Uh, we didn't have time bridge. to ask him, but I was surprised that that people think it's like a buyer's market because I look at just like there's just not a lot available. So like, is it really a buyer's market? If like like I feel like that these contending teams are just going to be fighting over the the like four or five players that everybody wants, and the asking prices are going to get silly. But maybe I'm misreading what's happening. Yeah, I guess like you look at the teams that are selling. How many teams are like definitively a sellers? lot for sure? 
But then you look at what they have to give and it's like, I don't know. Like, I mean, maybe there's going to be some names added to the trade mix here in the last two weeks that we're not expecting, but it looks thin to me. I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm looking at the standings. Like there are some teams who could probably talk themselves to being into the mix. So in the West, I think these teams are definitively sellers. St. Louis, Arizona, Vancouver, San Jose, Anaheim, Chicago. So that's a lot. And then you look in the East and it's Columbus, Montreal, Philly, Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo are, are sort of like they're not far, but they're probably not making it. Like I all those teams, that. it's funny. Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo have been winning a lot yeah, frequently. Like, like they're they're not that far out anymore. Exactly. Like they're they're three, four, five points out. Yeah, I don't know. And then you go through their rosters to your point, James, and it's like, oh, I don't know. What do they really have to give? Uh, who are they going to want to trade? Like that's why it's interesting. Like you uh, you you kind of zeroed in on on Scott Lawton. Uh, who Fridge mentioned, it's like that's that's one of the hard things to discern from our position is like, why would Team X trade this player? And like Scott Lawton's a good example, Travis Konechny's a good example in Philly. It's like, yeah. I guess if you're the, if you're Kyle Dubas in that front office, you're going to investigate everything. Like you're going to see, uh, are you interested? I in was told, guy? I heard they weren't going to trade Konechny. So, and I, I'm not sure why Lawton would be any different. But I think Philly's looking. You look at what Philly's record, like they're. People thought they were going to be one of the teams in the running for Bedard, and they actually have, they're not that far off like some of those other teams. Like, what do they have, like 56, 58 points or something this they're year? 54, and the second wild card is Washington right now at 62. So they're not going to make it, but they're also like, I don't know. Well, and so I, I if think you're the, trading those the guys, James, there is that they're going to be more competitive next year. Right. Well, and if, you, and if you're going to trade those guys, you're going to have to like be bowled over, right? Otherwise, to your point, like why are you doing it? Yeah. And and I think that there's a lot of teams like Philly that feel like they can, if they're going to trade players like that, they can probably make a better trade at the draft when there's more teams in the mix. Uh, well, I do want to read you this from Elliot's column today. This is on Patrick Kane. I think Edmonton's interested and has reached out. I think Dallas has considered it. I've wondered about Vegas. And my belief is Toronto wants to know whether or not it's actually in the mix before considering anything. As one GM said Wednesday, quote, if Patrick Kane is interested in you, you have to think about it, end quote. Anything, like, are you just out on that possibility? No, I, I think the, the scenario where it makes sense for the Leafs to get Patrick Kane is Patrick Kane comes out and says to his GM, the only place I want to go is Toronto. Right. Or, or he gives them two teams or something. He says, this is where I'm willing to wave my, no, wave my no move for. And there are some factors, like Patrick Kane's from Buffalo. He's from near Toronto. His family could come and be at a lot of the games and things yeah, like that. Point. He's friends with Austin Matthews, and the Leafs are a contending team. So if he does that, it potentially makes the asking price a lot less. Like if the Leafs don't have to give up a first-round pick to get him, and you can do the double retention, all of a sudden you're like, well, maybe it's worth a flyer on Patrick Kane. The only problem is I don't know that Patrick Kane – like you'd, you'd have to play him in your top six, right? Of course. And if and if he comes in and the hip is bothering him and he's just not the player that he was, you know, two years ago, it's a big problem for you. But so I wrote about this today, and and I've been going back and forth on whether like I've had thoughts after you know how you write a story sometimes and you're like, man, I wish I would have put this, I wish I would have put this. But one of the things I, I put in there, and I believe they don't need him to be their best player. They don't need him to be their second best player. They don't need him to be their third no, best player. No, but I don't even know if he can play in the top six, like looking at the way he played last night. Like I if he's yeah. hurt, like well, I don't know that he's gonna be a good contributor in uh, on your second line left wing. That's well, that's a 
fair question. I mean, I, I wonder how much motivation line mates like I watched him last night and, and you're right, like he doesn't look amazing, but it's like there were a lot of instances where it's like he's kind of it felt like he was on an island. Like he's playing with Max Domi and uh Kurt yeah, I just mean the way he's and, moving though. Like I yeah. don't like the way he's skating. I don't like like it looks like he's a guy that needs surgery in the off season or something. I mean, maybe I'm misreading it, but that's what I saw. Yeah. Um but I, like I said, I think there is a scenario. Like, let's say the Leafs miss out on Timo Meyer and Ryan O'Reilly. Let's say they even miss out on Barbashev and the asking price gets silly. And Patrick Kane's out there saying, I want to go to Toronto. And it only takes a second round pick or a third round pick or something. Then all of a sudden you're like, maybe we should do that, right? Yeah. I do like this. And, and Patrick Kane sort of fits into this idea. And, I, and you and I, I think I've discussed this before. They, they they do need a little bit more in addition to like the fourth line, which is an issue and has been an issue year after year after year in the playoffs. I, I do wish, and this is something Chris and I have talked. I think you and I and the three of us have talked. They need like, they do need some more kind of like assholes. Like Brandon Hagel is like a pain in the ass to play against. Like they do have like Michael Bunting is that like, he's just, he's just annoying. And like, he's, there's is, some is grease. Barbashev and, fit that mold. Yeah. Like, he's not. Yeah, he's he doesn't just, put up a lot of penalties, but he's kind of just hard to play against. Physical. I just don't know that yeah. he boosts you enough offensively for that second line. That like, no. I don't know. Like that's and so like then are you just ga- basically getting a more physical Cali Yarncroft? Like I don't. Know. Well, it just when I heard Tampa connected to Barbershop, I'm like, oh man, that like that makes so much sense. Like he's the exactly the kind of guy that you put him on their third line, and all of a sudden he's scoring a big goal in Game Seven or whatever. Yeah, that's fair. And I mean Carson Susi is interesting. He brought. um Fridge brought him up as a possibility. Like again, Seattle's in the playoff mix. Do they want to trade him? He's six five two oh eight. Like he, and so that's why I struggle with McCabe. It's like I don't, I don't really know what the point of that is. I get that he signed, but does is this, a right shot? I think he is right. I think he can play both sides. He's a left shot, but okay. I think he can play both sides oh, okay. if I recall correctly from his days in mini. Um, but so like with McCabe, I I get that he signed, but James, does this blue line sound great to you for the future? Riley, Brody, McCabe, Lilligren, Sandine, Lil- Sandine, Giordano, Timmons? Like that just that just feels very blah. That still feels like you need someone better. So I don't mm. I don't really get the point of Jake McCabe, honestly. Well, I mean, like I said earlier, he didn't really do himself any favors if he was looking to get like he was falling over and stuff against the Leafs on Wednesday. Like it, he just looked I don't know. Maybe it's like they've given up there, or it's just like they just. Or don't he's have a guy talent, who, but or he's he shouldn't be playing against top lines. It might be that, right? Like right off he the just, hop, he's facing Nealander, and he's blown by. Not right? a great, not a great skater, really. Like what stood out to me. And again, you don't want to base too much off of one game, but no. We're we're in that silly season where all the focus is really on what these guys are doing right now. Speaking of which, and we didn't mention it earlier, but Ryan O'Reilly. There was talk about is he, he's going to be hurt at the deadline, et cetera. He's come back and he's played really well and he's scored a couple of goals, I believe. And so I think that that all of a sudden makes Ryan O'Reilly a little bit more appealing. I like it. Um, obviously, the fit isn't like super clean. Like, where does he play? But like, maybe who cares? No, well, like, maybe you just figure left it out. wing or center, right? Like, yeah, like maybe you try him at left wing with Tavares and you see how that goes. And if it doesn't work, maybe you move him to center. Like, I don't know. So. Yeah, I mean that. That's what I, that's one of the things. I mean, he's a guy who's been up for the Selkie what like four or five times. He's a guy yep. that's won. He's a guy that's worn a letter on a good team. Yeah, the injury concerns you. It, yeah, it concerns you that that um, 
you know, he's had a down year, but I don't know. There's enough like positive there. It's just, it's going to be like, what, what are your other options and, mm-hmm. and what's the asking price? And the other thing too, I wonder with O'Reilly and I, I put this in a piece, I think we have coming out on Friday at the athletic. I wonder if you can get O'Reilly signed and I wonder if he takes a discount to play close to home. Yeah. I'm, I, I've thought about that. Like I, I thought like, what if he's willing to basically play for, Three million, three and a half yeah. million, whatever I think it around is. Three, three something is the number, and yeah, if yeah. he's willing to sign, you know, three or four years at three million, it's kind of like a Giordano situation where, you know, you get him. Yeah, he's a he's a rental, but if he uh, if he signs, all of a sudden he's not a rental, and you you feel better about giving up a first round pick for him. Well, James, let me ask you this, but and then we'll get to the pod bag. Um, how much? Because I've brought this up in, in stuff that I've written, and I think you and I have talked about it. Is they're like one injury away from at center from being like in a really tough position. We we just saw that with Austin Matthews. But then I was thinking, like, am I being fair? Is that is that any team? Like, if if any team has one of their big guys go down, but yeah, like if Tampa lost one of their two best centers, they just move someone else over. They have so many guys. Well, who lots can play of teams. Center. Yeah, lots of teams have wingers that can play center, and for whatever reason, the Leafs the last you know four or five years have not had that luxury. Like with it, what was the, um, remember when Placanich had to come in and play? It's when Kadri, yeah, Kadri got suspension. suspended. Like they just, they didn't, they, they tried Marlowe at center. Like they just, and it's been like, even this team, you look and there's not a lot of wingers that can play center, which is there's like none. Like, I almost, you know what? I think they should, this is like a conversation. I'm going to open up a can of worms. I think they should try Marner at center when they run into that situation again. Like I, when someone, one of their big guys is hurt, they should try playing him there. Cause I think he would be a better option than, putting Kerfoot on the top six or whatever. You are preaching to the choir, man. I asked Kyle Dubas about that in the summer and he kind of like chuckled and said, Mitch Marner has been the best right winger in hockey for two years running. I don't think we're moving him to center, but it's like they drafted him to be a center. Maybe he'll be a good center. Why wouldn't he be a good center? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of conversation about him as a center when, when he was drafted and can you play center in the NHL and things like that. And like, you look at how his career has gone and I think that he could make that transition for sure. Yeah, well, and I I was on the train of they should give Neander more of a shot at center. I'm kind of out on that. Like I, I no, I'm, I'm kind of done with that. I don't think it's I don't think he has the the focus defensively to to do it. I just don't. I just don't think it's in him. He's Neander is a winger. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's take a break and let's get into the pop back. Let's. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Well, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. All righty, James. It is pod bag time. It's your favorite part of the show. What have you got today? The number one question, I'm going to throw a curveball at you, doesn't have anything to do with, it actually has to do with our show. So uh, Nick says, can we have an immediate post-deadline podcast or is that asking a lot? 
in brackets, thank you in advance. Well. We're going to be in Vancouver on the trade deadline. The Leafs are going to be on their Western trip. We're both going to be there. We could, someone could pack the the microphones and we could do it in person, potentially. Is that someone me? <laughs> no, is that someone is you Just or me? Someone. Unless, unless Punch wants to come to Vancouver for... Um, it's possible. I mean, I think things are going to be, we would probably have to do it Friday night, like immediate, probably not, but we could also, we could do a live room kind of thing on Friday night as well. That'd be another option. Yeah. Anyway, someone bring a microphone, like either bring, (laughs) either we each bring our own individual microphones or something like we, we should, we should record something that weekend. Man, what a day that's going to be. It's going to be so interesting to see what they end up doing because there's so much pressure on them to do something. And it's like, well, what is the right thing? How big? How much? I'm getting a sneaking suspicion they might not do that much. Like, and the fans are going to be outraged and it's going to be all over talk radio. Like, it wouldn't shock me if they get like, you know, like a fourth line forward and like maybe a depth defenseman or like, I don't know, like it, maybe they add like two depth forwards or something. Like, I could see them not doing that much. Well, I was talking to to Mark Lazarus, who covers the Chicago for the athletic at the game, and we were trying to think of and, and Fitzy was there, Sean Fitzgerald. We were trying to think of like when's the last time a team traded for someone like Kane at the deadline and then won a cup? And I couldn't really think of anyone, but it's not like tra- stars like Kane really get traded at the deadline. Well, did you see on Tuesday we had a piece on the site and Corey Massasak went and he, it was like the best rental additions. It's in the cap era. Well, and it's like, all none, like depth guys. None right? of them. None of them won the cup. Like, all, I think there was one guy on the list that I. I was surprised. Like, you go down the list and like he had like the best. I can't remember what it was. The best ten or best fifteen. Like, can you name some of uh, of who they are? I'm putting you on the spot. It was like like Marion Hosa going to Pittsburgh, and it's like yeah, but you know he didn't win, right? Like, well, and it's like you look was, last year. Like, the, was the best deadline edition like Arturi Lekkinen? Maybe. Was it like Cogliano or Darren Helm or Josh Manson? Like, it's like maybe Hagel, Hagel the year before, or hey, yeah, like they won a cup. I don't know. Well, they got Hagel last year. Yeah, last year. And obviously they have him for two more after that or after that. Yeah. I don't know. But I don't know. Maybe that's an unfair bar to say that a rental only works out if you win the cup, but. It was just interesting looking at like Jerome McGinley was on the list. Jerome McGinley going to I Boston, believe, Pittsburgh. Right? Didn't he go? Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the I think it was the Pittsburgh year, and then he signed in Boston after yeah, that. That's right. Great. And wasn't a wasn't a rent, but it was an interesting list. I think the only one on the list, and maybe I'm remembering improperly, the only one on the list uh, who was a rental who won the cup was a veteran defenseman who knows where to stand. Ronnie Hainsey. It was Ron Hainsey to Pittsburgh was a rental and, and won the cup. Yeah. Yeah. There are others like David Savard won a cup with Tampa, but like he barely, he wasn't playing very much. And like, I don't well, know. On the list of like best rentals best. ever, he, he, he wasn't, David Smart didn't make the list. So, well, but so it, was, what, it was just interesting to see how few of them were there. Well, I've gone back and forth on this like over the years, like whether I think it's a good idea to trade for rentals and give up good stuff for rentals. I think for a team in the Leafs position, like, I don't know why, like you were pointing out, like the market is- Edmonton or like- Yeah, like if you're in it, like, I don't know how you can just be like, yeah, you know what? We're not going to pay for rentals. Like If if you're New Jersey and this is like the first year you've been good and you got a lot of young players and you got one of the best prospect pools, then maybe you're like, you know, our time is not now. It's like a year or two from now. But if, if you're Edmonton or Toronto, it's like our time is right now or Tampa. I think you've been talking about like they should trade like- 
first round picks from like two or three years from now. Like, why not? Yeah, like the 2025 first round pick. Like, that guy's not helping you to like 2030, 2029. Like, yeah, I don't know. Kyle Dubas will be 50 years old by the time <laughs> that guy's in the lineup. I do sometimes think, James, there's like a little bit of a failure of imagination in the NHL with trades and assets and all that stuff. So, let, n- not to interrupt you, and like we've only answered one question on the pod bag, yeah, so we're kind of getting we're getting sidetracked. I, I, I was thinking of doing a story about what's wrong with the NHL trade deadline. I don't know if I'm actually going to do it because Dan Goes Brown already wrote a good one. Yeah, and I like, saw kinda, that. He, he beat me to it. Like There was a bunch <laughs> of stuff in there that was what I was going to write. And I was like, well, I guess they don't have to write it. But in preparation for that piece, I was talking to a bunch of teams and I was like, do you think the trade deadline needs to be fixed? And like, what could they do? And it was amazing how many executives on other teams, not the Leafs, other teams said to me, it doesn't need to be fixed. The problem is like the mindset of the the executives involved and like the GMs is just like, it's just very conservative and it's very frustrating. And they said it was just like more like an old school problem in front offices. And I heard that from, and I, I, again, like maybe it's some of the people I'm talking to, like, you know, people can guess who I would talk to in front offices, but that was what I got back quite a bit. And it was, I thought it was really interesting that they didn't think that they, you need to change the CBA. It's like, you kind of need to change like who's making the trades. That's really interesting. And and obviously in other sports we've seen, I mean, they've evolved, I guess, a little faster in terms of some of the people who are in decision-making positions. And I, I, I think that's true. Like, obviously I follow the NBA pretty closely. I follow baseball closely, football. There's just, and football's a little different, but like there's just more willingness to try big, bold stuff and like make it's, big, bold trades and, and shake things up a little bit more than in the NHL. The feeling is that in the NHL, GMs are really worried about getting burned. Like that, like they're worried about making a mistake more than they are about like trying to make a trade that helps their team, which is, which is really like, it's, that's where the conservatism sort of comes in. People well, are like it, worried about their jobs and they're, I don't know. Well, it also feels like James, like they, they, they know their guys and they like their guys and, and they don't want to like shake that up. You know what I mean? Like they have their team, they know player X, a guy on another team. We don't know how he's going to fit. Like, I don't know, like even Kane, like I was thinking like there's, there's you and I are writing something together and it's like, well, do they need Kane? It's like, well, why don't they need Kane? Like what, obviously the risk factors are there, but why, like, why not? Like, why wouldn't you want to add another potential impact guy for the playoffs? Like, I don't know that like you just see more bold decision-making in the NBA, especially. So anyway, more questions. All right, Adam wants to know how often does a recently traded player give up their old team's plays, secrets, and tactics? It seems like this would happen all the time. Can you think of? I mean, there's certainly conversations that happen with when when you like when you acquire a player that that knows the his former team and you're playing against them. I don't know how useful that is. Though. That's like, the thing. I mean, right? I don't. It depends on the player. Like some players really are like academic about it and they're more like kind of like coaches who play, but there's a lot of players in the NHL that like aren't really systems oriented and you know, I, I they would have probably have a hard time translating the way their old team plays. I mean, the hockey's not the same as like football. Like, there's not like a whole bunch of set plays and things like that, that you're going to know about the other team. I yeah. guess you would know tendencies and, and things like that, but it's, it's a little bit different, I think than some other sports. Like it's not like you're acquiring a quarterback that like knows the playbook of the other team or whatever. Yeah, or like the former offensive coordinator for that team, right? Who's going to be able to tell you their offense? Or I guess yeah. the offense like, changed. Like, anyway. like the Leafs, the Leafs hired Carolina's basically defensive coordinator and uh, uh, Dean Chanel, you know, doing he's using like their penalty kill scheme and whatever. And would that help them against Carolina? I don't know, maybe a little bit. 
Yeah. All right. Um, there's lots of questions that aren't about the deadline. I'm going to skip some of these. Apologies to people. Make sure if if we don't get to your question, there's 77 questions today. So if we don't get to your question, ask it again next week because we will get to it next week. You know, we'll, or we'll, at least certainly we'll try. Um, here's Adam again. He says, "Do you think Kyle Dubas's promise to Nylander about not being traded while he's GM is going to be honored?" If not, is that a bad look or the price of doing business? Wow, I forgot about that. Well, it's interesting because if Nylander doesn't sign an extension, you probably got to think about trading him next year, right? TBD, right? Like it's so dependent on what happens in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Like if they they win a cup, like they're not trading Nylander. If Nylander has an amazing playoff run, they're not trading Nylander. I'm really interested to see. I mean, you're right. Like it's, I'm interested to see like, Obviously, Matthews is going to be the priority, but let's say Matthews signs for a huge number. Yep. Do they immediately just go to Nealander and try and get it done right there? And like, are they, they able to? Because are they are they able to though? I mean, Nealander's agent, like, I have a lot of respect for Lewis Gross, but he's he's a tough negotiator. Like, you know, they could be asking for like if they ask for ten million, what do you do? That's a really good question because if if you lose Nealander. Suddenly, like you're looking at your team, and it's like, well, well, you're gonna have to go find another Nealander somewhere, right? Like you're gonna have to go into free agency and like try and sign somebody else. Yeah, and maybe that's what you do. I mean, it's it's too soon to tell. Like he he said he wants to stay in Toronto. I don't know what the right price point is. Like eight and a half to nine feels about right. You think? To me, like on a long term deal, that seems yeah. Yeah, I think that I think the Forsberg contract is the one I keep coming back to. Yes, yeah, so like eight years at eight and a half. I think that that's fair, but I could also see the argument for asking for more, like on the, as a UFA on the open market. So, well, and, and he might it, say, "Sorry, James, go ahead." I was going to say part of it is just like how much does Nylander want to stay? Like, does is does that important to him or not? I think he likes it here. Like, I think he'd like to stay. I talked to him in the fall. He said he would like to stay. About uh, when I asked him about his contract, but I mean, there might be a thought. Listen, like we ended up. I'm t- I'm speaking like I'm Nylander in his camp. We ended up becoming a bargain on that contract like we pushed for it but like we ended up outplaying that now we want to be compensated yeah so i i don't know there's a world where they want 9.2 or 9.5 or 10 you know and you look at the numbers that nylander's put up this year and like at some point it's going to get to be where a number you're uncomfortable with yeah but like then you you stare into a future and it's like well Tavares is going to be 33 in september and it's like yeah then what's like who you, you suddenly you're just Tavares, Marner, and what you, what is, Tavares has two years after this, right? Is that right? Two more years, yeah. Yeah, and Marner does too. So yeah, I mean, like if you lose Nylander and Tavares is aging out and you know, you, you, you don't want to get in a rebuild situation. So yeah, I know it's it's well, interesting. It's not like they have like this, like they don't have Connor Bedard coming, you know what I mean? Not unless they start taking right now, Jonas. <laughs> Um, all right. Bilal wants to know, uh, we're in the Timo Meyer group of interest right now, though I don't think the Leafs are going to get them. Uh, is this the first deadline where the Leafs will get a big fish, which he says is a legitimate top six forward or a top four defenseman? What do you think? Do you say yes or no, the Leafs are going to get top six forward or a top four defenseman? I'm going to go, yeah, why not? I mean, well, it's, just because there aren't very many available. Like, how, like how many are well, even out there? Like four, five. And, and to your point, there are other teams that have better stuff to trade. So it's like, then what are you willing to trade? Like, it, it, let's say San Jose says we really like Matthew Nyes. 
we're, we're willing to look think, look past. I think you'd have to like. I think to get Meyer, you probably have to trade Nice. So put yourself in their shoes, like the Leafs' shoes. Is that something you're willing to do? Like for me, it is. But you basically have to you have to give up all your best assets to get Nice uh, to get to get Nice to get Meyer. I think is probably like. It sounds like the Leafs were thinking of trading Nice last year, so I don't know what's changed. It's not like he's gone to the NCAA and scored forty goals. Like, uh, you know, good point. Like, I don't think they're unwilling to trade him for the right thing. And by the way, if you, if you missed uh, Josh Cloak's story on Matthew Nyes, go check that out at The Athletic. It was great, eh? Yeah, sign up at theathletic.com slash leave report. He went to, to Minnesota and spent a few days with Matthew Nyes. It was excellent. Yeah, it was really good insight into it. Josh is so good at getting like the personal yeah. perspective from the from the players. Like just who who are they as people? And that's what he did with, with Nyes. You know, I, there's some... Concern, I think, among Leafs fans that it, you know, is now he's not going to sign here. I think he's, I think he's going to sign. Like, I think he wants to be here. I think, you know, last year was just he just felt like he wasn't ready and he was too young. And you know, how how big of an impact he's going to make, I don't know, but I think he's going to sign. Yeah, one of the takeaways for me from that story is he is still really young, and like he just turned twenty in October. Like he is, he's a kid, and so to think that like someone that young totally different league is just going to step right in and be an impact or a contributor. Like I'm skeptical. It's possible. Especially on a fourth line, but he's not the fast, like skating is not his asset. So he's not going to be the fastest guy out there. His asset is kind of like size and strength, which is great, but well, that works in the NCAA James where he's bigger than most guys. Everybody's that size in the NHL. Mostly. Well, it's funny at the start of Josh's story, it starts out with, uh, yeah. Matthew Nyes in a in a, in a wrestling match with Shane Doan, who's like a a big strong guy. Even at, I mean, how old is Shane Doan now? I think he's a couple years older than me. He's like mid forties, so he's still like he's still like a lot to handle. So maybe he there's some some guys come in at twenty and and can handle the physicality of the NHL. And I think Nyes is probably a decent bet to do that. But it's just translating that can sometimes take some time, right? Yeah, I mean, like I saw him at a prospect thing for the Leafs last summer and like who who cares it's a prospect I think it was like a summer prospect camp he did it it didn't look comfortable for him and that was just like a prospect tournament now granted it's in the summer who cares but I, I just think it's a big jump is is kind of where I'm at yeah I think it's probably I think if you bring him in he's playing on the fourth line and you're trying to I think it's going to be an adjustment for him. I think Nyes is going to be a good NHL player, but I think it, it could potentially take him a year and a half or more to get to where, yeah, he's making an impact. They do really need fourth liners, James. Like, I'm going to, I just want to pull it up just because it's like in front of me. Their fourth well, lines in the playoffs have just been not helpful. Jonas, if it's interesting that Elliot said that that's like something that they're really worried about and trying to address. I be. think that there there potentially could be a trade down the deadline where they don't get like a big sexy name and they're just trying to address like their forward depth and bring in third and fourth line guys. Well, and that's and that's where like if you if you wanted to get like Barbashev and Lafferty, that's that's what you would be doing because like look. So this is last year, James. Their fourth line in Game Seven was Kasha, Blackwell, Spezza. Those are three like okay players, obviously, uh, but like they didn't do anything really for like Spezza had his moments, but I don't know. And I'm looking back to game seven against Montreal, Thornton, Foligno well, and, and Spezza. Had been out for long, a lot, right? Like he wasn't the Kasha of mid season last year. Yeah. It's just not something that they've, they've really figured out. They've never found 
like Tampa is obviously the best example of this. Like they've never found that kind of line. Even Colorado last year had like Helm and Cogliano. They just, they've never kind of found a useful combination. Looking back to 2020, their game five fourth line was Clifford, Engvall, and Spezza. Like they're just not great. Anyway. It's, it's been an issue. Yeah. It's been in, they haven't found enough. I mean, I was going to say bunting types, which maybe isn't fair, but they just haven't, they haven't hit enough on those like depth guys that they brought in. Like it's been lots of like VCs and, uh, you know, Mulgan was the bet this year was going to help them. Like, yeah, did not, I see he's been scoring goals with Colorado lately, but, um, who are some of the other options that they tried at forward? Like, there's just been a they've lot of guys. They've tried everyone. Like, Bobby McMahon, Dry- they've tried. Dryden Hunt. But, like, even in past years, I'm thinking, like, some of the depth forwards that they brought in, they're like, yeah, this guy's going to help us. And it just... What, what about even, like, Adam Gaudet was someone that they thought was going to, like, he's just like, yeah, they, he they haven't call. even given him a chance. Yeah. I really like... I like Lafferty, and I like Achari as, like, guys in that kind of mold. Achari, like, would solve a lot of issues for them. He's right shot, good face-off guy, physical, score a He's bit. He's bounced around a lot, hasn't he? Like, he was in Boston, yeah. I remember. And then yeah. where did he go? Florida, yeah. I think. Yeah. And then he went Wait, I think Louis. he's, like, cleared waivers in the past, hasn't he? It's Has possible. He in the HL? I don't have his, like... But I, he's just a guy that's kind of, like, just, like, bounced all around. Like, how old is he even at this point? He is, I believe, 31. Wow. And he's a pending yeah. UFA. Yeah, he's 31. Wow. Yeah. So... Not a big name, but yeah, like I could see a deadline where they get like Lafferty and Achari or something, and like that's what they do. And the fans will be like, "Well, how did you not get Timo Meyer and everything?" But like, I just I feel like they might believe that that's a bigger need than is consensus out there. I I think they'll have to be careful with that because like there's a danger in thinking like, "Oh, we've got enough," and like (sighs) it's hard, right? Can you see though, Jonas? Like, like, look at the pieces that matter out there. Like, look at the. And you can like see where they're gonna look at the teams that are that are buying right now, and I just it's going to be a game of musical chairs. And I feel like if the Leafs aren't aggressive enough, they're going to be the ones that are without. They're not going to get a nice chair. No, to your point, there's like five or six chairs that really matter. There's like, you know what I mean? Like, I like Bertuzzi, but I don't know if he's like in that for sure. I don't know. Like, how many for sure bets are there? Really, not many. Not very many. I mean, you look at the trade board, and I think Luke Shen's tenth. Yeah, you want to talk about that? I meant to bring that up with with Fridge because there's some thought that the Leafs have been interested. I don't really get it. Do you get that? No. Yeah, I don't really understand that. Well, it's just what we've been talking about in terms of like bringing... It's the same thing with Cabe. It's like getting a different element on the blue line, not necessarily someone who's like better than... But he he can't play that much. Like, I don't know where he's even playing. Like, Well, I guess he's... Yeah, I don't know. Is he playing with Riley and then like you're using Brody and Hall and Giordano... The Labushkin assignment. Exactly. Yeah. But it's like, you look last year, but sorry, I know you got to get to questions. Like, Chen played nine minutes a game in the playoffs. So we have, uh, flags fly forever, though, Jonas. We, we have, uh, we have not done a good job making a dent in the 77 questions. So we apologize for every, (laughs) we do lightning round here. All right. Kyle wants to play a game. So you might like this. Woo. (laughs) He says, let's play a UFA game. You can re sign one. You have to trade one, and you have to keep one this season. I like it. Kerfoot, Kerfoot, okay. Engvall, okay. Justin Hall. Which one? Who do you who do you re-sign out of Kerfoot, Engvall, Justin Hall? Kerfoot, Engvall, Justin Hall. Who do you bring back? 
And let's Hall. say that you bring them back on a contract that's similar to where they are now. You bring back Hall. Okay. Hall. What about you? Well, it's not Kerfoot. So, yeah, I mean, I think all those guys are, I think they're all going to be gone. Yeah, that would be my guess too. Uh, which one? Oh, this is, this is confusing. Resign one, trade one, keep one. Resign who would you one? trade? Uh, who, who would you trade out of that group? Well, I mean, the, the guy who's, who doesn't really fit his money or his contract is Kerfoot, right? He's making three and a half. He doesn't really fit perfectly anywhere in the lineup. He, he does offer value because he can kind of sort of bounce around. Would you around. trade him before the deadline? Well, so I mentioned to you, like, if, if, I ha- if I was building a package and let's say I wanted to get Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari, and mm. part of the way I could do that and maybe address a need on the blue line is I flip Kerfoot to St. Louis and now I replace him with Achari who makes one, two, five. And Achari can do more specific things that they need than Kerfoot. To me, that makes some sense because if they acquire uh-huh. another forward and it's pushing everyone down, Kerfoot doesn't really fit on a fourth line and he doesn't really fit on that third line either perfectly. I love how you're like all in on like Sam Lafferty and Achari and like you, you're watching games to see these guys. Like how many yeah. people on earth are like trying to like watch a game to see what Achari is doing in a game? Do you know what I've gotten good at, James? Is I, I look at the schedule and I just record some games and then I go back and watch them later. Are you just like fast forwarding and you're like, oh good, Achari's on the ice. He's playing his eight minutes. I need to see what's happening. Uh, sort of. I think I'm just picturing you, you and your condo late at night. You, you, you've got a My glass of sang- sangria in your hand and you're waiting for Achari to get on the ice. Can I ask you one random Engvall question and then we'll get to your questions? How many hits do you think Engvall has thrown this year? Not a great stat. Obviously, it's not kept perfectly. How many How many games has he played? 57? He's played 53 games. Okay. So he's missed some games. Yeah. Uh, 40 hits. Wow. Great guess. 39. Yeah, see? Not a lot of hits. See? Paying attention. Uh, who are the three forwards that lead the Leafs in hits? I think Matthews was up there for a long time. That lead the team in hits? Yeah. The forwards. Well, the forwards, that's a great... Well, Aston Reese for sure. Here, I'll pull it up. So, Aston Reese one. Oh, my God. You would never get this. Tavares, two. Oh, Matthews, three. Bunting, four. Kampf and Marner. Five, and then Engvall, yeah. who's six foot five, two twenty. Well, I can I can see why when Marner's in your top five and hits, I can see why they're looking at adding yeah more physicality to the forward group. Yeah. All right, what do we got here? What do we got? W- what about this one? Uh, Curtis says, "What about Jesse Pujarvi as someone the Leafs take a gamble on in the bottom six? What do you think? Nah. It's a stylistic thing, right? I, it's I, the I, same I would look thing. at him. I would look at him in the offseason maybe as a piece. Like, he's good defensively. Yeah, like, it's just like the stylistic thing. Like, they have too many guys like that. Too many Puyarvis. It's amazing yeah. how his star has fallen. Like, Well, how about like, he, Yarmo Kekalainen? Remember how much shit he took at that draft when he's like, yeah, we're good. We're going to take Dubois. And obviously that came wow. with complications, but. Well, I mean, Dubois has turned out to be, he's had a really good year in Winnipeg. Look really at that! Th- look at that top ten, James. So Matthews goes one, line A two, Dubois goes three, Puliyarvi goes four. Two picks later, Matthew Kachuk goes. Charlie oh, Mac Charlie McAvoy goes fourteen. Remember, Kachuk was wasn't Kachuk a controversial pick? Who went after right after Kachuk? Who were the three picks after him? Clayton Keller, Alex Nylander, Mikhail Sergachev. 
oh, well, there's, a lot, there's lots of good players in that draft. Like, yeah. Sergeyev's turned out to be a really good. But I remember, like, Calgary takes Kachuk at six, right? And I remember people were like, I don't know about that pick. And, like, look how good yeah. a player he's been. Like, he's turned into a fan. I know a lot of people don't like <laughs> Matt Kachuk. He's but, like, excellent, though. You can't. I got him in my pool, and I, I've been watching him, and it's like, holy cow. Like, he's just, like, he's one of the best forwards in the league. Yeah. Um Jacob Chicken goes 16, Jordan Cairo goes 35, Alex DeBrinkett goes 39, Sam Gerard goes 47. Hmm. Anyway. What year was that again? That was 16. That's the Matthews draft. Oh, okay. In Buffalo. Remember there was a debate about Matthews line A? That that's silly yeah, in retrospect. I, I, yeah, I think the only people debating that were in Winnipeg. There wasn't a debate going into the draft, really. I mean There was. No, that's not true. There was. But I, everyone I talked to was like, "There's no way the Leafs are not taking Matthews." Like Corey Bromman like had line a one. Let's not throw Corey under the bus. No, Corey's great, but like there was some thought like this guy had unbelievable numbers in the finish league for a guy yeah. his age. Like his shot was well, thought to be unbelievable. I think his. more than a line a thing. I think people were sleeping on how good Matthews was. That's like, I think that better. I think people yeah. missed how good how good he was. All right. Uh, Jason wants to know, if you were Kyle Dubas, would you trade for Patrick Kane? What would the deal look like? Are there any players on our roster that Chicago would insist on? I mean, I think it's probably just like a pick or a prospect, right? Like maybe I'm... Yeah. I, I, I would. Feel like yeah, I, I would. The, 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 fa- the fact that Patrick Kane can say where he wants to go or doesn't want to go is going to have a big impact on how much the Blackhawks are going to be able to get for him. Like, they might not get that much for him. Yeah. I don't know that you get a first-round pick for him at this point. if he can kind of choose where he wants to go. But, James, one thing I've I've been thinking with with Patrick Kane and just some of the other guys that are out there, don't you think, like, you're going to get more in a playoff series from Patrick Kane than you are, like, Barbashev or even Bertuzzi? Like, I feel like he's there's more tangible impact that he's going to be able to make. And forget about one playoff series, multiple playoff series. I think it's a gamble that... There's more, yeah. High risk, high I mean, reward. He's like the, the definition of it, I think. The only question for me is like, is there more there? Like, is there something in the tank there that maybe there is? I don't know. But I think I think you just make the bet. It's kind of, it's, I know he's a lot younger, but it's kind of like the Joe Thornton situation. It's like, what what's left there? Or the Patrick Marlowe or Mark Giordano. And like, when you get guys that are yeah. trending in, down, it's like, what what are they now? Well, I pointed out to you, and you had a good retort. I pointed out to you, like he had ninety-two points last season, and you're like, "Yeah, but that's last season." And it's it's a fair point because, like, one of the things with Joe Thornton is when they signed him, it was like, "Well, like two years ago, he had whatever number of points." And it's yeah, like, and "Well, he, that was two years ago," to, and like he played to the third round of the playoffs, and I think played nineteen minutes a game or something like that, and like like he was an impact player two years before the Leafs got him, and then he was not an impact player for the Leafs. Right, you can get old really quick. It can I don't happen. mind it though, like. I think you just have to be prepared that it might not work, right? Like it's like I don't know. I don't know. You want to bet you bet your season on Patrick Kane coming in and being a, making a difference. But then, who are you betting your season on? Like, are you like how much impact do you think Barbashev is making on your team and Lafferty? And you know what I mean? Like, I like those guys, and I like, but the the upside is so much higher. Obviously. Anyway, more questions. Uh. Curtis wants to know how much input does Sheldon Keefe have on the type of player they acquire at the deadline. I mean, they certainly they would talk. They would talk to him. Yes, I think he has some impact for sure. And I know, like, he has some impact in free agency. Like, he'll 
tell them what he thinks. He'll yeah, watch guys, a, like he'll watch video. Like, wasn't there a free agent they brought in recently that Keith was a big had a big uh, impact on? And I mean, Godet was someone he was high on, right? And then has just hasn't gotten a chance. Well, I think Yarncroc was someone he liked, and they liked right. obviously, right? Yeah. But like they also one thing I think we we discount or not discount we just overlook is how many connections these guys have across the league. Like for example, Sean I don't Keith know this is, watches a lot of hockey. Like yeah, he, but like I don't in. I don't know this to be true. But I would think if if I was Sheldon Keith or I was Kyle Dubis, I'd probably like maybe send a text message to Dave Haxtell asking him about Mark Giordano last year and like what he thinks and like I don't know like Mark Ron Francis and Kyle Dubis obviously have a history. I don't know. There's lots of ways to get information too. Brandon says, I keep hearing you need a very specific kind of defense in the playoffs, but I hear exceptions to that, like Colorado's defense last year. Can you guys dive into this and talk about it? Do you really need the stereotyped shot blocking net front protecting yes. type of defen- defenseman to win? You it's can look at Colorado's defense last year. They had big defensemen. Manson was uh, was there, right? Like He's a monster. Jack Johnson's yeah. big, like they had big defensemen. That they the one guy they didn't have in the playoffs was their smallest defenseman, really. The the misconception is that it's all about like hits and intimidation and and battles in front of the net. It's also Mike Babcock talked about this a lot, and like maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's not the best way for me to start my the point I'm going to make. But like he talked he talked about breaking the cycle. It's yep, about getting cycle the puck busters. Back. It's about getting the puck back. So, and it, this was always the, the debate around Roman Polak. Do you remember that? Like, there was always yep. this conversation about, like, why is he in the lineup? And, you know, and the thing that Babcock said is, like, you know, he breaks the cycle and gets the puck back. He, like, ends what the skilled team is trying to do around you. And I think the concern is when you watch, like, you go back and watch that game. Boston. I think it was when the, Le- when the Leafs played Boston. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they couldn't break the cycle. Like, Boston was just moving the puck around, moving the puck around, and then it pops out to, like, a... Who is it that scored the goal from the? I think it was Pasternak, right? That scored the goal from like the top of the circle, and like yep. he's wide open, and it's because you weren't able to break the cycle and get in there, and that's the concern. You know, when you talk to people with other teams around the league, and they look at the Leafs, they're like, you can't have Sandine, Lilgren, and Riley all in your top four on your blue line. Like that's just not going to work. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's funny during that game, like guys, Craig Button was there, and that was one thing we literally talked about during that game. And I like this line he had: like they need cycle busters. And with like Jake Muzzin was a cycle buster, and they don't have Jake Muzzin. Uh, Scott has a very long comment here that I cannot read all of this, but he's kind of he makes the case to acquire Jonathan Taves, who is hurt right now, or is he sick? He's I know he's not playing. He didn't play last night. I don't. I don't I know it's about a- Taves. I mean, he's in the uh, the, the O'Reilly bracket except like more advanced older bigger contract like there's just more there this is an extremely long comment but scott says you know like you could do double retention he said would we be able to get him without giving up a first round pick or nice i think yes i don't think that the acquisition cost on taves would be very high yeah i guess the question the thing with Taves is that he probably would fit in your bottom six better than kane i guess if you got him like you could just put him on a depth line and you well, you'd play him on your third a- line, right? And then you'd push Camp down to be your fourth line center, basically. Yeah. 
Or he says, uh, after this year, maybe you could sign Taves to like a veteran minimum contract and like maybe just bring him in as a guy that plays down your lineup. But so you think he's going to go to like Winnipeg? From Winnipeg, I think. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Uh, we're running down. We're coming down to the end here. All right. Uh, John wants to know, do you think the Leafs need a big heavy shot on their number one power play? I know we like Morgan Riley, but he does not possess the skill. It feels like a big time void. And didn't didn't Riley score his first goal there last week? And it was like the first power play goal from a defenseman or something of the year. Well, Did I have that right. He he had barely been shooting when he was on the power play. I noted that in one yeah. of my Monday things. Like, I one guy I'm, I'm kind of curious that they haven't tried there at all is Giordano. Like, I don't. They they've I not. Thought you were gonna say Timmins. No, he's not gonna be in the playoff lineup. Like. Giordano at least can shoot will shoot. The puck. Yeah, he can shoot the puck. Timmons is the new Cody Franzen, man. Like, he scores that goal, and it's like, I'm having flashbacks. Yeah, similar profile, honestly. Well, he moves the puck. All right. <laughs> Nick says, any risk that the goals in the bottom six dry up in the first round? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is it? Do you think that the bottom six this year is worse than what they went into the playoffs with last year? Good question. Uh, yes, because remember they probably had, is right. They had traded for Blackwell, who's at least who's better than all the guys that they have right now. So this so was the their, bottom well, six was a problem last year against Tampa, and it's gotten worse. I also someone actually said to me too that they think Tampa's lineup looks better than it did last year, which is a scary thought. So the only thing I I, I do think that to some degree, but the only thing that's different about Tampa that's very substantial is instead of Ryan McDonough, now you have Ian Cole. And oh, okay. that's that's I was just that's thinking, a I was thinking up front, like you look at up how front, good Eagles been playing, and yeah. yeah. Well, so you remember in in game one uh, of that Tampa series, they went with Clifford Blackwell and Simmons, which is just like kind of mind blowing now when you think that one guy's not in the league, one guy barely plays, and obviously Blackwell's still an NHL player, but like two guys that aren't basically NHLers. I think on defense, Sergachev has like shown that he can like step up and play like hundred percent twenty twenty four minutes a night. He's awesome, you know. Yeah. They're still really good, man. Like that's that's the unfortunate thing, like with the way this is all set up. Like Tampa's the Leafs could play great again and still lose just because Tampa's awesome. Like they have so many good players. Well, the good news is if you beat Tampa is that all you get is Boston team on pace for 133 <laughs> points in the second round. So yeah. Huh? Really, all they got to do is just sneak through Tampa, and it's all golden from there. Now, the counter, James, is you just you to win the cup, you're going to have to beat good teams. So, what does it matter? Well, that's kind of Austin them? Matthews said that like last week or something, right? Like, when yeah. he was, which is true. But my counter to that is, if they lose in the first round again, all hell is going to break loose in the in Toronto, and everyone's going to get fired, and you know who knows yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, let's end. Let's end here. Cody says, "Is the reason the Leafs lose?" to bottom teams like they did against Columbus on Saturday and lack killer instinct is because of a lack of leadership in the players or is it the coach or is it something else? Like what, what's going on with that Jonas? You know, I hate it away. You know, I hate killer instinct. I don't know what it is. I mean, at least no one's, no one said that for a while. Yeah. We haven't had the killer instinct conversation. I mean, it's, it's hard to ignore. Like in it, it, we go back to the playoff format. I posted on Monday and I don't know what, what it is now, but Boston was 10 and one against, the bottom seven teams and the Leafs, I believe off my memory were four, four and three. So like, those are points that you get those points like Boston did. And suddenly you're right there for the division. 
I don't know why well, it is. Like it's not it's not a good thing. I don't know that it matters like as far as like what the team like looking ahead to the playoffs, like it has no impact on what I think about the team, but it just costs them in the standings. That makes sense. Tampa lost to Arizona last night, so there's a Arizona's beaten Boston too. Yeah. Weird. Well, is it the the tank is like going in the wrong direction sometimes, I guess. Yeah. I hope Bedard doesn't go to Arizona. No offense to Kylie's fans, but like I'd like to I'd like to see Bedard go somewhere where he's gonna his star can shine brightly. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh there is lots more questions, so we apologize to the people we didn't get to. Thank you to everyone. I cannot believe I didn't post a call for questions until like three in the afternoon before the Blackhawk game. I was like, oh, this is a bit late. We're not gonna get questions, and then it's like there's <laughs> like there's so many. So you know the the listenership that we have, Jonas, like I we don't take it for granted. It's fantastic. Um yeah, thanks again to Elliot Friedman for coming on the show. And yeah. if there are other guests you'd like to see us have before the trade deadline, let us know. And we're going to try and record a show on either the Friday or the Saturday uh, coming out of the, the trade deadline in a couple of weeks. And go to theathletic.com slash sleep report to sign up. James and I will have a combo piece later this week. I've written about Patrick Kane and Jake McCabe today. Josh Cloak, we mentioned the Matthew Nye story. Lots of good stuff. Lots of trade deadline stuff. Lots of non-trade deadline stuff. Lots of baseball, lots of football, whatever you want. James... Goodbye.